This episode of the No Neutral Moments podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Lucini and Mertz Surveying Company. Well, they're a resilient business. They're on a mission, and that mission is to faithfully serve clients and to empower employees. You got to love hearing that about a company. All the while, they're building lifelong relationships through the art, the science, and the process of land surveying. Every time I read this ad, I think about the wonder of a business seeing what they do as an art and a science and a process all built up in relationships. They've been in business since 1952. Lucini and Mertz is known for their dedication to their clients, dedication to their customers, and obviously to customer service. So for more information, check out the show notes, contact Bobby Burkholder, and tell him that the No Neutral Moments podcast sent you. Again, that's Lucini and Mertz Land Surveying Company. You can reach out to Bobby Burkholder at Bobby B at Lucini and Mertz. That's L-U-C-H-I-N-I-M-E-R-T-Z dot com. Lucini and Mertz, proud sponsor of the No Neutral Moments podcast. Hey folks, my name is Patrick Payton, and I want to welcome you to the No Neutral Moments podcast. I'm so excited to be back with you. Uh, I told you in the last episode we would be talking about this whole idea of returning uh, the sacred to the secular marketplace, and spent quite a bit of time in in this uh, in the previous episode talking about this whole idea of um, what it means for life to be sacred. And today, um, in this podcast, I, I'm going to begin to do what I, I told you I was going to do, which was start to give you some steps, some ideas, some thoughts on how to. Uh, really create more of a sacred space at work, but for for really purposes of review and and to bringing us up to speed, if you'll remember in the previous episode, I talked about this um, this what I would call a tragic circumstance where we've got a sacred space of life for some people. That's the religious space. It's where they go to church. It's it's the things of the soul, and then we have this secular space. And I hate the two words actually. Uh, we have this secular space where we go do our work. And 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 I said in the last podcast, you, you know, you have people that say we're supposed to keep work and our personal life separate or personal and professional should always be kept separate. You shouldn't wear your faith on your shirt sleeves at work. And, and all of these phrases and many, many more have been have been used. If you want to get into the corporate culture some more, there's people who have said, hey, look, Work is all about making money. But but what's so crazy about that statement is we, we know we have to work in order to have income, in order to buy the necessities. But at the same time, it's the place of work where you hear people make statements like, this is killing me, this is suffocating me, this is this is uh, uh, sucking the very life out of me. And and so we're missing something. And, and I'll talk about some more of what I think we're missing in a moment. But I want to just review for you again just a couple of things I said when I just told you in the last episode. I believe life is sacred. That, that every space is sacred. Life is special. Life is, to use a word that maybe you haven't heard since Sunday school, life itself is holy. And if I could give you an insight into the word holy, because it's such a church word, holy at its very core meaning means to be unique. And, and so let that sink in. Life is not, when I say life is holy, it's not about walking around with your hands clasped together and making some sound like home. Oh, 
or, or something like that. It is radically unique. And if you ask me, the radical uniqueness of your life and where you work and how you do your work and how you lead, that is holy stuff. This is not a, a Sunday school concept. This is a how you do life concept. It's it's of great intrinsic value. I, I told you in the last episode, with this sacred understanding of life, I believe all of life is sacred space. It, it's it's bolstered, no doubt, by my faith foundations, but I believe all of life is sacred space because people are sacred. Now, it doesn't matter whether you agree with me in your faith beliefs, but your life is sacred. Your life carries immense, unique, holy value, which means what makes places sacred, i.e. the workplace, the home, where you play golf, whatever you do, what makes spaces sacred is the presence of people. And and I know there are people that say, no, 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 there are sacred spaces because they're holy spaces. No, 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 no. It's not a holy space unless people show up. And, and if you want to lean into some Judeo-Christian stuff, it's even the God of the Bible who says, I do not inhabit man-made temples. Like he, he inhabits people. So the Bible teaches. So where people show up become sacred spaces. Life is sacred at its very core and its constitution. And everything that connects and corresponds with life is sacred. I'll give you another example of how sacred life is. And this is harsh and this is rough. But life, you can see how sacred life is when someone dies and, and, and you, you mourn the passing of someone and you mourn the passing because something sacred has left us. The reason birth is so exciting is because something sacred has come into our midst. What we have done over decades is we have lost the awe and the inspiration of the sacredness of birth and death or life. And we have disconnected this sacredness from the very places we spend the most amount of time. That being our family, that being the place that we work and nearly every single person listening to this podcast, when it is all said and done, and please, if you're a leader of people, if you're a manager, if you're a CEO, whatever you are, people sacrifice at least 50% of their sacred lives to something called a career. So they sacrifice their lives, the holiness and the uniqueness and the sacredness of their lives to a thing that their very presence makes you makes unique. But the question becomes, are we treating it as unique and holy and sacred? Are we treating those people as unique and holy and sacred? Life is a sacred space. And so as we get into this, this next episode, I remind you of, of just a couple of quotes. You know, I was listening to Jim Collins, who gave a speech not long ago um, at, uh, after his stint at West Point, And he said, how can you succeed? Will you succeed by helping others succeed? But he also asked, how will you change the lives of others? And then Jim Collins, who's not making any faith statements or church statements and all this, and who's, you know, the guru of good to great and, and how we turn companies from being just all right to these amazing institutions of great profitability in life. He says at the end of his speech, he says, life is people. And, and I believe we are inside of a fundamental shift 
in this whole understanding, my favorite word is this paradigm of life, this system of life and work and career. And it's become even more apparent um, as we've gone through COVID. And, and, and I'll remind you as well about my good friend, Dr. Kathy Cook um, and CelebrateKids.org, Dr. Kathy Cook, of the five core needs that, that she has, has, has dreamt up and is of such immense value. And these five core needs in order, and I know many of you have heard this before, but I'm bringing you up to some steps that you can take, I hope, in trying to, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want you to reintroduce the sacredness of life into the secular or the sacredness of life into work. I want you to live this. And, and that'll be a point here in, in just a moment. But Dr. Kathy Cook talks about these five core needs. And these five core needs are in order of importance. Security, which asks the question, who can I trust? Identity, who am I? And better, better asked, do you know who I am as my leader and the person I'm with most of the time at work? So security, who can I trust? Identity, um, who, do you know who I am? Who am I? Belonging, who wants me? I love how Dr. Kathy Cook always says, belonging is not who needs me, it's who wants me. Now, that's so critical in the marketplace because we talk about needing people to work for us. That doesn't value people. What we do is we want them to be with us because if they are with us and we're treating life and career as sacred, then by them being with us, we're going to value them, value their life. They're going to value us, value our life, and we're going to be able to do better together. So security, identity, belonging. And then the next one is, purpose. What am I on this earth for? What am I here to accomplish? Which begs the question, as people work in the sacred space alongside of us, are we even helping them achieve their purpose or understand their purpose or live out their purpose? And then the last thing is competence, which is what I do well. You might even want to call it a talent. I list all that for you, and I've talked about this in previous episodes, but I just want to refresh you here. is because I would submit to you that since at least the post-World War II generation, and you could probably say long before that, but at least since the post-World War II generation, outside of the church world, when it came to, again, this area, I don't like calling it the secular space, we built life around core needs upside down. Remember how I told you these five core needs are security, identity, belonging, purpose, and competence in that order. In other words, the most important one is security, who I trust, and am I also trustworthy? Well, you flip that upside down, and the way we've typically done life and valued life is your security is found in what you do, your competence, your career, your skill set. And that skill set, that competency, that talent has defined your purpose. So your purpose has been to go to work and be a good fill in the blank, okay? Your belonging was determined by the people that employed you because your competence made you employable. So, so again, you built the foundation of your life was competence, what you did. Your purpose was based on what you did. Your, your belonging, who wanted you, was based on what you did. Your identity was based on what you did, and your security was based on what you did and how you did it. Well, then, if you look over the last, you know, 50, 60, 70 years, what you find out is at the end of the road, once you've built your life on that, and you get to this magical place called retirement, and then it's all over, and you get a watch, and you hope you have enough money to live until you die, that's been life. And the only thing sacred left in your life is what you did at church. So you have given 
the uniqueness and the soul of your life to something that even if the economy changed and, and your talent wasn't valued as much, then all of a sudden you lost your purpose and you lost your belonging. If you lost your job because your competence is no longer needed. And, and then you went and ran off to church because you hoped that you'd get your soul in order because you based your life off of the wrong things. And, and I'm rehearsing all this so you understand the vast majority of life is spent at work. It's just the facts. And we as leaders and as business leaders have to understand that there is a transition taking place. And I know we could all sit around and make fun of millennials, but at the very heart of what I think millennials and the millennial generation are asking is or saying is they're not going to buy into a system that does not value the soul. They're not going to do it. And, and we make fun of them because we say that they want to, you know, have ping pong tables and pool tables and bing bags, and they want to be able to have lattes at the office and stuff like that. I actually believe with all of my heart and all of my observation that I've been watching now for quite a long time, all that is secondary, if not tangential, to what's being sought after. What's being sought after is the soul of work. And, and that's why, if you want to really press into that, that's why some people, now that we've gone through this whole COVID thing, are saying, you know, I, I, I'm going to go find a job where I can work remotely because I don't want to spend eight hours someplace that's sucking the life out of me and then get home and not have any life in me. That's why we have to get to this place where we begin to see that everything is sacred. Uh, let me tell you a quick story, and then I'm going to try to give you some things you can maybe start to practice um, in order to begin to make a transition to the sacredness of all of life and and eliminating this idea that there's parts of life that are secular. There's just, there's no such thing. Um, long time ago, I was in a bit of a discussion with uh, this individual and, and we were talking about the sacred and secular of life. And this person I was talking to was really bought into the idea that things weren't sacred unless they were connected to what the church was doing. And I was making the case that I think one of the most sacred things that uh, fathers can do was help coach their kids' baseball teams or their daughters' soccer teams or softball teams, and that that was actually really a sacred happening because you were investing in the souls of people. And I actually called it, for those of you that are in the church world, I actually called it discipleship, that this was where real discipleship was taking place, that the building of lives and the building of souls was not something just reserved for a Sunday school class or a church-sponsored small group, but, but this building of souls and building of, <coughs> excuse me, this building of lives and building of souls takes place on soccer fields. It takes place on baseball fields. Now, press further. It takes place in the break room. It, it, it takes place in sacred conversations around the coffee pot. It takes place in sales meetings. It takes place in, in morning meetings at the office, realizing that unique, holy souls are gathered around the table who have immense needs, immense desires, immense dreams, making this place a sacred space. Once you begin to understand, and I've said this now a couple of times on this podcast, once you begin to grasp, and, and you may not agree with me, so we can quit right now, but if, if you're starting to at least wrestle with the fact that life, people are sacred, so that means where they are is a sacred space because they are unique, they are holy, they are, they are as C.S. Lewis said, you have never met a mere mortal. Every person you connect with is immortal. They are a deep soul. 
then we start having to think about what we're doing with the souls of people around us. This has to make a difference or, or you're just stone cold, I, I would suggest. So how do you begin to make this shift? How do you begin to make this change? And, I, and I'll tell you one more story. And I alluded to it a little bit in the previous podcast. But when I was growing up, and again, I, I'm just I'm repeating a little bit because I want us to stay um, really locked in on this topic. But when I was growing up, you know, we went to church a lot, uh, my mom and my sister and I, and and early on, this is back in the 70s, um, you were already introduced to this idea of two separate types of people. You, you, were, I, you were introduced to everyday people that came to church, and these were what we called in the church world the laity. They were just normal folk who were doing life, coming to church, doing their thing at church, giving their money, going home, Okay. And then there was another class of people called the clergy. And the way you you defined or described clergy was these were men and women. Well, back in that day, it was only men who had something called a calling on their life. Like, like God had placed his hand, so to speak, on them and said, I am setting you apart to a sacred task. And you know what? For most of us, we didn't study enough. We didn't think enough. We didn't reason enough to call this into question. We just, we just sort of accepted it. But the longer I've been alive and now I'm 54 years old and I actually spent 18 years in what was called the sacred space of the church being a senior pastor, a founding and a senior pastor. But for the longest time, you were just, you, you just bought into, there's a called group and then there's the rest of us. There's a really special group and then there's the rest of us. And actually, when I left my first big career to go into church work, I held this sacred secular dichotomy and separation. But it was, in, it was in 2005 when I was listening to Henry Blackaby one time. Most of you don't know who Henry Blackaby is. But Henry Blackaby was talking about how he believed the next great awakening in this country was going to come through the business world. He mentioned some other things, but that was one of the most important things he said. And now when I look back... What I regret, though not in a way that I was doing something wrong, but what I regret is not understanding the sacredness of the places I was working. And I thought, I was mistakenly thinking that the most sacred thing to do was to give your life to quote unquote church work. What I'm telling you, what I'm trying to communicate to you is the most sacred thing you can do is do life and do it well with a full soul, a healthy soul with all the people around you and understand that every place you are is a sacred space. Now let's, let's, let's twist this a little bit and this, let's move this into how do you do this in the marketplace? Well, let me just give you a couple of suggestions for this podcast and then we'll shut it down. I may have an interview or two before the next episode on this. So just stay tuned and we'll see what happens. Uh, but we, we won't leave this topic very quickly. I would suggest uh, wherever you're leading in your organization or whatever you're doing in your organization, the first thing I would suggest is you begin to work on this mindset um, that where you go to work is a sacred space. It, to say it another way, when you drive to work, um, at least spend a minute or two getting your soul in a good place. It, let me say it this way if it helps you. Getting your attitude in a better place so that you understand you are serving a bigger calling, which is serving other people because life is people to quote Collins, that you've got to be ready 
to engage people because it's in the engaging of people that we do our best work. So at least begin to start your day with a bigger thought that you're not, you know, let's say you go to church on Sundays, then on Monday when you wake up, don't have this attitude that Monday is different than Sunday, but that Monday might even be more important than Sunday based upon the lives you'll be dealing with. So these are things you need to be thinking about personally, making sure that your soul, the inner you, is in a good place when you go to work, realizing that every word you say, everything you do will have an impact on people's souls around you. As I'm sitting here speaking into this microphone. I, I think I need to give you a, a word picture again about what I mean when I say the soul. So you've heard people talk about the mind, the spirit, the emotions, the heart, the brain, all this kind of stuff. Ancient culture, and, and I'm just going to leave it at that because we could go into some very boring historical stuff. Ancient cultures um, defined life as twofold. Okay, and, and I hope I'm going to do my best to hope this makes sense. Ancient cultures believed there were two parts to every person. The outer part, which is the part we all see, the part we put clothes on, the part we put makeup on, uh, you know, just what we see. I see you, that's that's you. You see me, that's me. The second part and is the inner us, the inner person. To put it this way, it's it's the me that makes me me. Now, I know that didn't make any sense to all of you who are listening to it, but it, it means it's the person you have conversations with. It's the person that knows you the best. It's, it's all wrapped up. It's the conscience. It's the heart. It's the mind. Let me help you see it this way. You, there's no separation between what is the mind and what is the heart. So you say, I don't understand that. Well, my precious wife, Cindy, if, if she were to walk into my office while I'm recording this podcast and I said, hang on a minute, folks. And I looked at her and I said, hey, sweetheart, I want you to know I love you today, but, but today is only a brain love. Like, I only love you with my brain. Well, that doesn't make any sense. You know, I, I can't say, today I love you with my brain, but not my heart. And then the next day I say, you know, or I tell her, wait till tomorrow, I'll probably love you with my heart, but not my brain. No, you know, the person, the you that makes you, you, the you that understands you, the inner you, that is, that is the ancient understanding of a person. So in our context... There's the you that I see and everything else that is inside of you is your soul, the inner person. It's where the emotions are seated. It's where the thoughts are seated. It's where everything of value occurs because it's the being inside of me that dictates the doing outside of me. Okay. So keep that in mind when we're talking about the soul. And I probably could have, should have addressed that a little bit earlier on, but I talked about setting, working on a mindset on the way to the office so that you literally or cross, crossing the threshold into the marketplace of what is sacred. The second thing I would encourage you to do is another mindset issue away from this idea of simply measuring business on monetary measurements. Now, go ahead, roll your eyes. I get it, but keep listening because I want to encourage you to just begin to think that business can be serve two purposes. It can be rooted in the production of goods and services. And I would suggest that places that have the healthiest souls actually produce the best goods and services alongside of the production of better souls for those who work and labor all around us. I'm going to give you an example without saying things. There are certain fast food restaurants that you could go to 
and the souls of the people working at certain fast food restaurants um, are not invested in, and it's not, they're not invested in by good training. Uh, they're not invested in by good management. And you can tell that the souls of these people hate everything they're doing. They don't greet you. They, they are just happy to be done with this. Um, and sometimes you even wonder if the food's going to be safe because the soul of the place is gone. It's just the production of getting a, a, a food product out to you. There are other fast food restaurants where for whatever reason and however they've done it, and again, I'm not using names that you probably already know who I'm talking about. There's, there's something healthy about what's going on. You can just see it. And you wonder how in the world teenagers seem to be actually considering it a pleasure to help you. And, and it all goes back to investment. It all goes back to understanding that we are dealing with souls and not just goods and services. And so it has to be both. It has to be, think about the soul again. You can think about a business product being the outside and the heart of the business being the soul. And that's where it all becomes sacred. So work on this mindset on your way to work. Work on this mindset that says we can measure business two ways. We can measure business by the excellence of the product we deliver and the service we deliver, understanding that the product and the service we deliver will only become more excellent if the soul that's producing it is excellent. Uh, let me let me give you a, another example about how important the soul is in the production of things. Whatever your passion is, let's say your passion is working out. When you love it from the inside out, nothing stops you from doing it and trying to do it your best. If you love to run, you're passionate about it in your core and it changes the way you do it on the outside. If you're, if you're passionate about CrossFit because it's done something to your soul because you got into shape because of it and it's, it's a holy thing to you because of how it's changed you, you compete in it differently. If your passion is art or music, it's a soulish thing. And it's impacting what you do on the outside. The same thing can occur in the everyday life of business when we understand that the product and the services and the goods we engage in are deeply impacted by the souls of those that we are around. When it's all said and done, most everything we produce with and through our labor is going to age. It's going to become useless. It's not going to hold any long-term value. That's just the cold, hard reality, and it's, I'm not making a value statement. It's just value neutral. It doesn't mean we stop producing. We have to produce. We're designed to produce. We produce things we need for life and living and the revenue and the profit we produce. But when we look back on labor and production, we have to deal with the question of what is being done to the soul when the goods and services are used up and gone, because they will be. And it's incumbent upon us in this day and age to change our mindset on the way to work, that we are entering into a holy, unique, sacred place, and that we can do two things at one time, that we can measure the success of our business by the health of the souls we work with and work for, and we can measure the success of our business by the measurements of revenue and profit and so forth. Now, I know what some of you are saying. You're, you're like, Peyton, you don't have any idea what you're talking about. No one's going to invest in a company based on the soul of work. They're going to invest in results, and those results are monetary. Okay, fair. But the results are always better when the souls producing them are healthy. Bottom line. Bottom line. 
And, and I heard someone define for me the other day what culture is. Culture is the recognition or the shaming or recognition of the things that we approve or disapprove of. In other words, it, it, to use the example of the conversation that we're having right now, if a company or the leaders of a company truly value the souls of people, it's going to be seen in the culture. And if they don't, they don't. Now, and I'll go back to the previous podcast. The reason so many companies are still struggling with trying to identify the values of a company is because they have not understood that values are a reflection of the souls of who you are. And so what they're trying to do is create a soul rather than understanding you can only create what's inside of you. You, you, you can't just make up values to run a company that are not values intrinsic to you. So the, the intrinsic values are a reflection of the holiness of the soul within you. So that's why companies struggle with these value statements and they, and, and they make statements like we value integrity. I'm like, right. I mean, because what would be the opposite? And then when they th- say things like we value quality, well, the reality is you can't value those unless you invest in that and believe in that in the souls of people. It's the sacred space of the soul that creates great things. I give you another example. Great music and theater that moves us, the kind of stuff you listen to that puts you, stops you in your tracks, doesn't just come out of somebody who's, who's dreaming up jingles. These great symphonies and great songs and great poetry and great writing come from the inside. The health and the life of what's inside always produces something better on the outside. That is why I'm pressing into you to say, please understand the best labor and production will come from the best souls. And it depends upon us to enter the place of work with the soul in mind. So listen, I'm not trying to turn this into the Oprah Winfrey hour or some kind of self-help shop. I, I just, as we go through 2022, the greater cause and purpose is, you know, when, when I look at this whole thing of, of what I do with my company and what we're trying to do with this podcast, I've had this phrase that I've used for a long time. Some people have tried to steal it and do other things with it, but, I, you know, whatever. I always want people to discover and grow in everything they are designed, called, and gifted to be and see what in the world can happen when they become everything they're designed, called, and gifted to be. One of the keys to becoming everything you're designed, called, and gifted to be is understanding that you are unique and holy, and there is no separation between sacred and secular. Your life is sacred. In fact, all of it is, and that goes to even the work we do on a day-to-day basis. Now, last thing here, if you're a leader of a company or leaders of a company and and you really want to start um, moving towards the soul of work, do not, do not do not make an announcement to your company that you are going to become a place for the soul. Don't do that. Don't do that. You need to start working on it personally. You need to start making it real in who you are. You need to start practicing the habits of honoring the soulishness of other people. You need to practice the habits of honoring the sacredness of the place of work. And by the way, the sacredness of the place of work is also reflected in the conditions in which you want people to work. It's all sacred. Don't make, don't make an announcement. Just make a decision and start living a sacred life. Later on, uh, I'll try to help you talk about how you begin to program this into the culture. But for now, 
The bigger issue is the shift in the mindset that every space you touch, every place you occupy is sacred. I'm so glad you've taken uh, this half hour to be with me and to uh, be with our team. I really pray that you would begin to at least contemplate the things we're talking about. And at the very least, you would also remember there is no such thing as a neutral moment. And what makes a moment very real and very powerful is, if I might say so, it's because it's sacred. That's why it's not neutral. So my friends, God bless and uh, take care. And remember, no such thing as a neutral moment. <laughs>